This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. What is up, everybody? My name is James D. Fury, and this is Blackballed. So if you work in media or if you nibble the edges or or if you're a freelancer, you get to know some of the rumors that go around about certain personalities in TV and uh, the newspapers and radio and, you know, digital sites. And um, you try not to listen to it. I, I try not to listen to it because unless I know the person personally, I don't like making an opinion. But anyways, th- there was one of these um, high-profile firings recently of John Derringer from Q107, a chorus entertainment personality. And um, there has just been... It's, it's been an, an interesting one because it isn't... Um, it doesn't feel like the violent, you know, stuff that we are used to hearing about other people that we don't need to name, but we all know who uh, we're talking about. That, you know, it, it seems like there is a workplace... Um, personality type that I've seen before and I think uh, a lot of people I've seen before and is is just ruthless um, and you know a couple of people have come out uh, to, to to share their stories um, and it's not always for the same reasons as you know as uh, as my next guest will, will kindly point out for us this is Jackie Delaney welcome to Blackball how are you I'm good thank you thank you for having me no no problem at all um I think that I just want to let you talk because I, I, I'm, I always like to tiptoe a little bit around subjects like this because, um, you know, one of the things that I'd like to maintain is a sort of objectivity to like whatever story I hear and to not pass judgment until, you know, like enough dust settles and everything like that. Um, and I'm breaking my own rule here a bit. And I think there's one good reason why is because I know three people personally, not including you who have firsthand experience in this particular situation with this individual. And, and so it makes it a little bit closer to reality for me than just reading about it on the news and just sort of shrugging. Um, but I wanted to have you on just to explain exactly what, because you came out and you've, you've been talking a little bit about your own experience. I was wondering if you can just do that. Yeah, the first thing I want to say is um, I... First of all, you're going to have the privilege of this being the last interview I do on this pending further developments, Uh, because uh, I, you know, we've been talking a lot about this over the past um, several days since Jennifer Valentine came out with her video. And, you know, until there's something new to add to the story, um, you know, I don't, I'm not here to go into gory details, nor do I think you're here to ask me to go into gory details, nor do I really have gory details to to offer per se uh but i think i've 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 talked a lot about it 
I've put the information out as have others. And I think now it's kind of, as I said, in one of my social media posts, uh, your move course, and it really is their move. And they've made some moves uh, by first, you know, by suspending uh, John Derringer. And I think that's a, a good start. And it is only a start. But I, I don't want to just keep going over the same things and continue to, um, to belabor the points, the points that needed to be made, I think have been made. And the next conversation I have, I hope to be with the uh, company that's carrying out the third party investigation. I think that's very important. And the other thing is too, I wanna be very clear that I don't want it to come across as if um, I'm getting anything out of this, uh, whether it be attention or any kind of, uh, it's, not, it's not attention seeking. It's not about vindictiveness. I'm not doing this to, to even any kind of score. I can sincerely tell you, that when I had my experience with John Derringer, I did what I had to do at the time. I brought it to the attention of the appropriate people, i.e. management and human resources. And when it was clear that it wasn't going to work out for me to stay there, um, you know, I got a lawyer and I exited, you know, negotiated my exit strategy. I got out and I moved on. And uh, I'm the type of person that I'm very passionate when I'm in the moment. But, and sometimes it takes me a long time, typically longer than it took me to leave that situation. But I am the type of person that when I move on, I move on. I try not to take that baggage with me. That's not to say I don't, you know, I forget it happened. I don't forget it happened, but I'm not about evening scores or anything like that. So I wanna make that perfectly clear. And I think to play into that as well to discuss then why I did come out and why I have been so vocal over the past few days. And it's because when Jennifer Valentine came out with her video, she did not name John Derringer and she talked in very broad strokes about um, kind of the gender bias in, in broadcasting. And there certainly is that, and that certainly is a big part of what happened here. Uh, but she didn't name John Derringer as being the subject of the human rights complaint or the subject of some of what she describes. And I felt the need to do so because of two reasons. Um, I, I wanted Jennifer to be believed. I wanted to make sure that she was believed and, and nobody seems to be doubting it. That's what's so interesting about this as well is nobody seems to have come to John Derringer's defense. So, um, you know, I now know that there likely wasn't any chance of her not being believed necessarily, but I, I wanted people to know that this wasn't just Jennifer Valentine saying this. And also I was appalled that this occurred 16 or 17 years after it had happened to other people. And because it wasn't just me, there were other people prior to me as well. And when I left, I say I closed the door on it, but I was able to close the door in large part because I had assurances from management at that time that this was being taken seriously and that even though it didn't work out for me in that room with John Derringer, that they were on top of it and that they weren't going to let it happen to anybody else and that they were keeping him on a, for lack of a better phrase, short leash and that, that this was over. So when I heard Jennifer's story, I was appalled that it was still going on all those years later. And I wanted to make it known that this, I wasn't going to let this be a case of, oh, Jennifer Valentine has come out with this. Oh my gosh, this is crazy that this is happening right under our noses. It was happening with the full knowledge of 
and approval of management through senior ranks up through executive offices. And I wanted that to be known as well. I think that might be the key to the entire story anyways. You know, like that, that is the, um, the people that I know that have worked, <clears throat> excuse me, for that company, um, all of them have stories that are like this to a certain degree, depending on how valuable the person is. Uh, it, you know, this is a classic, this is a classic story, especially in our country. This always happens, it seems, with big personalities at big networks who end up being tyrants and everyone knows it and no one really does anything about it, but everyone knows it. Uh, and and I'm not even in that industry, uh, radio. Um, and I heard about this stuff like, 12 years ago and it's not even my my industry it just yeah you know um but Look, it goes on don't get me wrong i sorry yeah. to interrupt you don't get me wrong no, it does go on and you know what we all know what we signed up for and to be totally honest there's a degree of it that i'm like okay whatever it's not that bad do you know what i mean there because i think every industry and every business has some things that are accepted within the business i don't think abuse is acceptable i'm not talking about abuse being acceptable but i mean Dealing with difficult personalities, I, you know what? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not too worked up about that. Um, but this was something very different than just working with a, dif a difficult personality. Well, thank you for making the clarification because as a person who is a little bit difficult to work with, I, I want to make sure that everyone knows that I'm not, in fact, a tyrant. <laughs> so that's a good... Right, there's a big difference. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who are... And look, you know what? Some people would would say that about me because, you know, I'm, I'm very... I'm determined, I'm outspoken, I'm direct. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not everybody's cup of tea and that's fine. You don't need to be everybody's cup of tea, but there is a big difference between not being someone's cup of tea and maybe even being a little bit difficult at times. Big difference between that and being, I don't even know what to call what it is that John Derringer did because I've never seen anything before or since that would compare. I honestly have it. It's, it's, I almost have to laugh because <laughs> I do. Well, and I think at first I probably did laugh the first time he did it because I think I didn't believe it was serious. What did he do? It, Sorry. You probably already said it. So I don't, uh, no, no, just, you know, there was whatever perceived infraction I had committed, whether I, I don't know if I had referred to myself as a co-host which was a big no-no because that's his name on the show and you want to compare paychecks and all this nonsense. Um, or I had disagreed with him on the air. Maybe I had a difference of opinion. I And things are coming back to me over the past few days. Things are coming yeah. back to me because like I said, I didn't hold on to this. I haven't thought about this in years. But I remember one time where I was, I was doing the traffic on his show as well, I think. And I think at one point... I had my head down looking at the computer screen to see what the latest traffic report was because we were going on the air and I had to have it. And he, the mics went on and he started the bit and he got very mad at me because my head was down. So in his mind, I wasn't hanging on to his every word and he just lost it on me. I mean, it was silliness like this. This is really, um, yeah, Maureen Holloway described an incident that happened when they were in London, England together, where she said he got very upset because she was doing um, a segment for the AM station that she was also working on at the time. And I started laughing because I found that very relatable. And it brought me right back to that incident with me 
looking at my computer screen. It's I've never seen I've never seen the level of belligerence and anger and loss of control that I saw with him. Which is like, were you, well, well, hold on a second. Were you allowed to like look him in the eye or was that <laughs> like on the list I know because we've all heard stories about that, right? Not just with radio people, but with like movie stars and everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny. He he wasn't quite to that level, but beyond actually in, in some ways. It's, um, yeah, I'm laughing now. And like I said, I remember there was probably a time or two when it was happening that I laughed because you know when you <laughs> laugh when something makes you nervous and you're like, Am I supposed to, is, is this a joke right now? Oh, is I there would, a hidden I, camera? Yeah, I would I would try to get my phone out and put it in my pocket. And say, Sorry, um, John, can you do that again? Because food went that time. Can you do that? Because that would be great. Um, yeah. I, it, it's, I, had, I, I worked for one person that would fit that description, uh, if I may just sidetrack us for a second, because um, I want to circle back to the management thing. Where I got this gig uh, with this, um, you know, entrepreneur guy, he was, you know, put himself off as rich and stuff. And he came with a good reference. And I went and stayed with him and his wife at St. Sever. And one day I woke up and he was like just a belligerent man talking to his wife and then turned his belligerence on me and then drove me to the airport and gave me a bunch of money. And I never saw him again, but he was like, but he was like that. He was ordering me around and he was trying to be, and it was just a weird experience. And it only happened for two days with me. I can only imagine what it would be like to work with somebody who is constantly like that. Um, it's interesting because I don't feel it's one of those stories where it's like, I don't think a crime's been committed. So I'm not going to like, you know, be all, you know, this, you know, the way they do it with the pitchforks and the torches and everything. Um, but you know, I think bad bosses should be called out no matter what industry they're in, you know, because it is a problem. You ever worked at, look, look, and it's top to bottom too. You ever worked in a telemarketing office or know anyone that has to put themselves through school or like whatever. And it is crawling with people that are belligerent, and it, it's it's a crazy it's a crazy world that there is when people have a, a little bit of power. But ma- imagine having that much power, um, where you yeah. could act belligerent and be like, "It's all good. He makes a lot of money for the station, so we're gonna keep." And that's it what it was. This. And like again, like I don't want to make it sound like I can't handle or I haven't myself, you know had to apologize for something and you know i think sometimes too the pendulum does swing too far the other way where um you know some people expect you can't even have a disagreement in the workplace and it's like oh that's harassment it's like no come on we need we do need to bring the pendulum back to the middle i think a little bit yeah i do too but but are you um so i'm assuming you don't have a non-disclosure agreement then when you left i don't call it a non-disclosure. I certainly didn't get paid out, uh, you know, for agreement not to talk. I I did. Uh, I, I I don't want to get into too many details about my exit strategy, but I I negotiated my exit and it, and it involved um, a severance agreement, like a severance pay that I would have. I mean, anybody would get severance leaving a job. It wasn't uh, any exorbitant amount, especially considering I was only there two months. Right. Um, and with that, initially, um, initially, I was asked to sign off that I wouldn't discuss it at all. And I said, no, I need to be able to talk to potential employers to explain why I have something on my CV that's only two months. Oh, yeah. And um, they were like, okay, fine, fair enough. And in the end, um, I went to... I went to News Talk 1010 after that. And I was there long enough where... I didn't have to 
I didn't even put it on my CV. Like I went back the other day and I looked at one of my old CVs and it's, it's not even on there. So (laughs) I didn't even buy, you know, well, exactly. And I was talking to somebody else today who's in media, who I worked with years later and um, they called me today and we were chit chatting and about this and about other things. And they said, yeah, wow. I was really surprised to see, you know, your, your comments on this. I I didn't realize. And uh, I said, no, because I never talked about it. First of all, I never talked about it because I I didn't need to. I wasn't, it wasn't a potential employer, but like I said, I I put it behind me. This is not something that has, um, has it stuck with me? And yes, I'm sure it has had some impact on me, but I mean, I wasn't, I wouldn't You're not say scarred I'm, for life or anything. Not scarred yeah. for life, and yeah. it certainly wasn't something that. Oh, every now and then I'd wake up, you know, upset about this. And like I said, I even forgot a lot of the details. It's twenty years ago, and I moved on with my life. But when I hear the stories from Jen Valentine and Maureen Holloway, and I realize how many years that they put up with it. Um, uh, it probably has scarred them for life and justifiably so. And even Andrea Ruse, you know, um, Andrea Ruse, who was there before I was, uh, retells some of the things that were said to her. And you can tell it really stuck with her. Um, I think in some ways I was really lucky that I got out as quickly as I did. Yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, you know, like I said, the endurance that one would need to take to take that kind of abuse every day. I'm laughing because it's so absurd yeah. to me because I would it, I would last a half an hour. Like maybe. Right. <laughs> like, right. As yeah. soon as oh, that came yeah. out, I'd be, "Oh, oh, I quit." <laughs> There's no yeah. way I'm working for this person. Yeah. And I'll tell you when I was going through it, I do I do recall like as I was going through it having you know, a lot of anxiety and a lot of sleepless nights, because as I was trying to negotiate my exit, you know, first there was the stress and anxiety of thinking, oh my God, I'm going to lose my job. I just got this job. I can't afford to lose it. You know, I'm going to be moving around again, just everything about that. And then when I accepted that I would be leaving, then I was, there was the stress and the anxiety about the impending unemployment. I was lucky enough to get hired at News Talk 1010 pretty quickly thereafter. But I mean, I didn't know that at the time. So uh, yeah, there was a lot of stress and anxiety at the time, for sure. Um, so but did your when you didn't sign the the NDA or whatever, and, um, and the reason for your departure was it was the inter office uh, whatever the, the John Derringer related stuff like cited as one of the reasons or was it a, just an understanding and then, and that, and, but not on paper. I'm just curious about that, that detail specifically, just cause you know. Oh, on detail, it was very evident why, why I was leaving. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, there, there were, I was trying to remember today, actually, I sent either a letter or an email to management at the time. Um, so I was having daily meetings with the program director and then often the general manager. And mm. and both were telling me at that time, yeah, you know, we get it, we understand. They would go back and forth between, yeah, we get it, we understand, and this has happened to people before you, and we know we have a problem, to, but this is how you could make it work, and this is what you could change, and this is what you could change. And it was like, yeah. no. Um, but oh, then I can they feel that. Tell I can... me, I can feel the street, the, the, the strategic corporate kind of like vibe right? in that the room. Flex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that. then they would tell me, you know, our hands are tied because the higher ups, um, you know, they've invested a lot because at that time, John Derringer was, was new to the morning show. Actually, they had 
they had had him in the afternoon and were running Howard Stern in the morning. And then they replaced Howard Stern with John Derringer. And it was very, very new. Like I came along, I think he'd only been there a year. So, you know, they weren't willing to throw in the towel on this guy a year in, but that's why the Frank magazine uh, article that I shared over the weekend was so fascinating because it, it, it said, it summarized at that time, well, Jackie Delaney's hitting the bricks. She's the third co-host in less than a year. And uh, there was a write-up about it. And I remember panicking at that time because we were negotiating my exit. And part of the negotiation, at least, was, you know, you can't discuss this publicly. And when that got out into Frank Magazine, I was just like, oh, God, they're going to think it was me. And they're not going to give me a severance. And uh, in the end, they they didn't think it was me because it wasn't. Um, but, yeah, it, it it laid it all out. So. Yeah, man. So, so people are gonna say that like that you that you did it to 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 be mentioned in the press or whatever. I I don't know why anyone would. <laughs> you know what I mean? But let me. But tell you, you were more. I see you my were, boss's name in the press all the time. I don't need to see my name, and uh, I I yeah. do my my utmost best to stay out of media these days. Thank you very yeah. much. Well, thank so, God yeah. we're only a little podcast because then you know. But we're growing. <laughs> we're growing. Um, we'll get <laughs> yeah. there. No, but it, it's one of those, um, it's, it's just one of those things that I think a lot of people can relate to. Um, and it, like I said, I don't think, I don't, it doesn't sound like a crime was committed, but like, you know, it, it's, uh, it's worth sharing an experience with and because it, it just kind of puts it all into perspective. Um, and you're right. Like, I, like two months, I don't know how you did it. You know, that would have been hell on earth. I think but um, Maureen Holloway did it for like 10 years or 15 years or something. Yeah. And Jen did it for two years. And I'm just like, Ooh, I mean, that's, um, I mean, she was describing like throwing up before going into the studio. And I do know what that feels like. I, I did have that level of anxiety um, when having to deal with him. I, you know, I just didn't want to be in the same room with him, but also thought to be in the same room with him because I was like, that's what I was hired to do. And I'm, I'm sorry, it's not of my nature to just walk away and make it easy for him. That's, that's just not who I am. My dad brought me up to, to, you know, fight for what I think is right. And, uh, and that's, again, to go back to, that's why I'm, I have been talking about it so much with Jennifer, because I could have gone my whole life without ever talking about this. I was fine. If I wanted to talk about John Derringer, I could have done it long before now. And like I said, even a, a friend of mine in the business said, I never knew. And I was like, yeah, cause I just, I, it wasn't important enough for me, but I felt the need to do it because of Jen's video. And like I said, I just wanted to draw attention to the fact that this has been going on for this long and management has allowed it. So great. You've taken John Derringer off the air. Okay. Now what? Because if Chorus thinks that's enough, it's not, they have to acknowledge that they were aware of it and that they allowed it to continue. And, and also it won't be good enough for them to say, the management at the time failed you or failed the staff and you know they're not with the company anymore there are still people with that company who were there at the time and who were at the very least aware of it so it's not going to be enough for chorus to just go well thankfully those people are all gone it's like no you still have a lot of people there who knew what was going on yeah i think people don't pay enough attention to the executive level uh, in this because they're really the ones that are saying yes or no and they're looking at dollars not people so exactly I mean, they're they're the they're the dawn you know derringer's the capo you know what i mean right <laughs> well, especially with a million dollar contract right i don't know that that's what he's making but i mean you know we we've all heard about 
radio salaries and everything. So, I mean, he's up there. Yeah. Um, so when you're talking about those kinds of dollars, exactly. That's not the program director who's making the ultimate decision. The program director is not the guy who's saying, I'm firing the million dollar man. And by the way, it's going to cost you a million to buy out his contract. Right. That's yeah. going up the food chain. Yeah, so. exactly. it's right. It starts at the top. Someone's delivering yeah. it, a little mailboy with a little file. Um, but yeah, but you know what? I think that, um, I, I think that people can tell that you kind of remind me of, um, I think, do you remember Christy Blatchford's book, Close Encounters? And it was about I being don't. a female reporter. I, ha I I was trying to look for it before we went on because it's funny because Christy's on the cover and she's like 26 and she's just like, Oh, I love it. It's hilarious. I'll find it and I'll, I'll send you a picture of it. Um, But the, the uh, but you know, she, but she talked about this too, about uh, how, you know, it, it's fine if, if, if a woman feels uncomfortable because of a boss is like that, you know, that's their prerogative and that's the, the way they're going to feel. But there's, but your cut, it feels like more like from a, uh, you know, Christy Blatchford cloth, which was, you know, it wasn't like, oh, boys will be boys. But it was just like she she would she just had that thick skin, tough exterior and quit wit to just like defuse everything and make the guy feel stupid. And then they would be friends, she would say, for like years to come because, you know, men are sometimes stupid. I'm not talking about the serious cases of like hardcore, whatever. But that way that, you know, she she would take an alpha male and just kind of like down yeah be good sit over there. I, I i liked reading about yeah. it and listening to her talk about it um and i think that it you know it's interesting because when people have uh, similar experiences with one person and it's like countless then obviously you know there's a consistent pattern happening here yeah christy blatchford probably would have beat up john derringer though if, if he tried <laughs> that shit with her because you know i know i was just gonna say i would have i would have liked to have seen that matchup and <sighs> and let me tell you don't get me wrong i would have loved to really you know give it to him um but again the biggest thing with him when when he would do what he would do is the 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 shock i would honestly be in shock it, it would just be like is, this is there any example that, that you remember other than just belligerence like what did he, was there like you know I, I'm just curious because I'm trying to figure out like an example of like the absurd that I'm thinking in my head. But in my head, there's like monkeys and, you know, right. fish flying around and stuff. So <laughs> well, look, and Andrea Bruce tells a very good story about how um, one day, you know, she said something to him on the air. I, I read it today. She conveyed a story about how he was on air talking about, um, you know, all the benefits he had, he had quit smoking. And by the way, that's a common trend as well, because he, he was still trying to quit smoking when I was there, but he was talking about quitting smoking and all the benefits of quitting smoking. And he was listening, you know, I'm saving money. I'm doing this. And Andrea piped up and she goes, yeah. And you smell better. Okay. Two things. Anybody who has smoked or quit smoking or been around somebody who's quitting smoking gets that you do smell better. You smell well, better you, as in you can smell things yeah. better. That's and right. then you also smell better. Your hair doesn't stink of smoke. Your clothes don't stink of smoke. So she said it, to my understanding, from what I read of her conveying it, is she, she said it that way and, and kind of joking. It's like, yeah, and you smell better. And he looked at her, according to her, and said, well, you don't. Very, <laughs> right? And the thing is, I'm reading the story and I can picture it. I can hear him say it. I would and laugh apparently so hard. He got off air. Yeah. It didn't just end there. He got off air and according to Andrea started screaming at her. Nobody gives a sh about your opinion, who the F do you think you are? Do you want to compare paychecks? 
And I can totally believe that because I, I, he said similar things to me. There was one incident and I keep relaying this where it's not just that he was screaming it and because for somebody says some stupidities like that, like if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, Oh, shut up. But when he would say those things to me, he would be screaming it so loudly, his face would turn red. And at one point he was so close to my face like this, that his spit end up on my face. Like I was like, oh, I can oh. actually feel his saliva on my face right now. And I remember he would, he would froth, like he would get like frothing in the corners of his mouth. Not, oh, I'm not exaggerating. Like he <laughs> no, honestly I, I, did. That's I can picture it. Yeah. It was, it was just, it was so over the top and it would be for the stupidest thing. Like I said, because I wasn't looking up at him when he started a bit or you know, like at, at one point I referred to myself as co-host. I mean, not co-host in the sense that we had equal billing. Obviously it was his show, but co-host because that's just what people understand that position to be. You're the female co-host. It takes and a kind I, of like really small man to to even get angry about that. Like, I mean, you know, he, it, it just seems really petty. It doesn't. Yeah. Like he was screaming at me. It's my name on the show. And it's like, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, it's your name on the show. So why are you so upset about this? Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundle, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. What would the executives have to do at Chorus? Um, in order to like fix that kind of culture from permeating again or from, or what, what would they have to do to stop it? Like what kind of decisions would they have to make? Like, how would that, what would that look like? Look, I know for my, for myself. And, and again, even if this doesn't happen, um, I'll move on from this, this, you know, I I've got other things to worry about right now. I've got a, a fantastic job um, and just other things in my life to worry about uh, what I would like to see them do personally is I would like to see them take accountability. I would like to see them stop referring to this as new information for starters, because it's not new information. And and what I'm talking about is they had put that in a news release that they were suspending him because new information had been brought to their attention. It's not new information. So please stop saying that. I would like them to acknowledge that they knew about it 20 years ago. 
and knew about it all through the years and that they accepted and allowed it to happen and to to show that they're taking concrete steps to not allow this kind of thing to continue happening i don't think there will be touch wood i don't think there will be another john derringer that's that's the great thing about stories like this is you know when they blow up it's that much more difficult for that to happen again but i really i really need to see chorus acknowledge that they they knew this was happening and they allowed it to continue happening because you know a lot of harassment policies even now that are in the workplaces um they rely on a on a complaint system and and they rely on a complaint system for a very good reason there has to still be due process when we're talking about complaints in the workplace and you know possibly ruining someone's career or you know even putting somebody out of work for even a short period of time there absolutely has to be due process and i'm a big believer in and defender of due process and that starts with a formal complaints process and we did that we all went to management and hr and nothing was done about it and because nothing was done about it maureen holloway went through what she went through and Jennifer Valentine went through what she went through and countless others uh, also went through because it wasn't just those who were in the studio with him. I saw a tweet thread from someone named Raina uh, who went on to be a journalist who was doing some digital work there at one time. And he was, according to her tweet thread, terrible to her, even though she worked in a different department, just because again, some perceived slight because she didn't agree with him on something. And he went out of his way to try and get her fired. That kind of stuff needs to stop. So I'd like to say for one, they need to put a proper complaints process in place. But the truth is, I'm not even sure a proper complaints process would have changed it because we filed complaints. So um, yeah, for me, for starters, they have to acknowledge that they knew and that they allowed it to happen. Yeah, with the paper trail too of you filing complaints, then that you're 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 an interesting bookend, front bookend to this story. You know what I mean? And and where that other piece lands and i think you're right most of the time uh when like when we've heard of these types of things happening they that person gets replaced with someone a lot more vanilla <laughs> you know mm-hmm. most of the time yeah. a lot less yeah. risky um but who, but i, I, I do want to say one thing i want yeah, to sorry sorry to interrupt again sorry i, I do no, want to say one thing it wasn't just women john derringer has been awful to male co-workers as well and uh i'm not going to put those names out there it there that's their story to tell it's not mine uh, i'm not here to kind of out people and put them on the spot and uh i i'm in no judgment whether they come forward or not uh everyone has to do what's right for them but it, it should be said that he was terrible to male co-workers as well i think one difference if there is is in the way that management handled it um and sometimes I just think that it was just, I, I think there were a couple of things colliding when it came to the, to the females in the workplace. Um, and, and he was, he was awful to people off the air as well. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't just the people who were in the studio with him and he ruined some careers. I think he definitely ruined some careers. And I think he probably gave some people, uh, and, and now I'm just surmising, I'm not, this is not fact, but he probably, who knows, he probably made people leave that business and just say, I never want to go back to that again, whether they be interns or or whatever. Who knows the impact he had on so many people because he could be so awful. Um, so I do I do think that needs to be to be clarified. And even the women that work at the station, 
who didn't have necessarily direct contact, but you know, there are women that work there on other shows. There are women that work there in sales. There are women who work in digital and other departments. And, you know, even if they didn't get the direct abuse from Derringer, they had to pick up the pieces of those of us who did. And that takes a toll on people's psyche as well, especially when they also see management look the other way. And they, you know, they ask themselves, well, what value am I to this company? Mm-hmm. Right? If they're just could, constantly going to let this guy get away with it. Because they, if you enable somebody like that and, and you're their boss, then you've created the Frankenstein that didn't really need to happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't not take responsibility for something that you knew was happening because of the money, which by the way, <clears throat> really speaks to their creativity as businessmen. Really? You're just like, you got one shot at this and it's all riding on this guy. Like, yeah, you can't, it makes you, you wonder, be creative. Right? Yeah. It's, it's like, you can't be creative about this a little bit and, and imagine anybody else, you know, that's right. it. The star, the radio stars live and die with John Derringer, I guess, you know, but sometimes I think, uh, and this is, you know, this is kind of inside baseball with radio, but sometimes too, I think some people stick around a little longer than they should because not there's the revenue that comes in, but then there's also the revenue that w- would have to go out in order to buy them out of their contract. Right. And sometimes it's easier to just kind of keep somebody in that place because you're like, Oh, we're gonna have to pay this guy X amount of dollars in order to send him on his way. And then we've got to pay somebody else to replace him. So sometimes and then, it's also, and then they have to pay the crisis management firm <clears throat> to destroy him in the press so that he doesn't join the competitor. Right. And compete. Yeah. yeah. You those it is a very players. awful so a game. Yeah, the media yeah. is very the the way and how everything is incestuous. It's very it's a tough industry. Like you have a lot of like you've been in both industries that are notoriously really difficult for women, media and politics. I yeah, think that is I like, know. I you like you I'm a sucker like, for punishment. <laughs> or don't mess with Jackie. Just like don't mess with her cuz uh, you know that's you've been you're like two decades strong doing this, right? Like this is you know, this is that's probably that, that's why it seems like what what you were saying even off air was that you know like this is not something that like scarred you for life, but it does provide an insight to the culture that was sort of like created by an executive who just wanted to make money and ride this horse until it stopped making money. Which, yeah, look, you know, you know what? It's at the expense of what? Right? Like, here's my thing. I think that. I think that Derringer got more emboldened as time went on and as he was protected. And I think that was very evident in something that Jen Valentine um, said, you know, that he said to her was when he he said to her, go ahead and cry. It's not going to matter to me. Basically, you're not the first one. Or he said something to her like, go ahead and go to HR. Nobody's going to believe you. Well, he's able to say that with such confidence because it had already happened and he got away with it. So in some ways it, it, you know, as, as it went on, it emboldened him. But for me, interestingly, I will also say that as time goes on and I've been, I've dealt with tough things in the, in the workplace or tough people, it's also thickened my skin, right? I, I have thick skin. It's not to say I'm not bothered by things, but I know sometimes people think that I can be I don't know if confrontational is the right word, but I certainly, I certainly give as, as good as I get, you know, on social media. And yeah, like you said, I'm in politics now and I'm, you know, constantly scrapping it out with, uh, you know, with people on Twitter, with, with liberals and, and different things like that. And I give as good as I get. I have thick skin. I do get bothered by things, but you know, I'm also like, don't, don't go down that road if you can't take it either. Right. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a tough business. Both of them, <clears throat> media and politics, are both tough business. So it's uh, and these situations are difficult because, as you just said, like if you're not someone, if you if you have a thicker skin, the exact same behavior can be applied to like two or three different people, and you could get three different versions of what how they felt about it, and that's what makes it tricky. Right? You know, like it's difficult. Like it's it's relative in a sense. You know, so it's that's it's, a really good point, actually. Yeah, because. It's not, it's not to say one person's weaker or stronger. Everybody reacts differently. But like, that's one of the things that struck a chord with me with uh, Jen Valentine's video. Um, and even um, when I saw Andrea Ruse, um, I think it was on the CBC story yesterday. And full disclosure, I know Andrea Ruse. I worked with Andrea Ruse previously. Uh, we both worked at Telemedia. And uh, she was one of the first people I worked with when I got in the business. Um, I didn't know Jen. But, you know... <sighs> Part of me almost feels like, and, and I think it is because I was only there for two months. I almost feel like I'm going to take this on a little bit because I don't have as much as the, of the, for lack of a better, not scars, but I, I don't know. I almost feel like my time in the trenches was so much shorter and I kind of got out a little more unscathed than I think some other people did. And, well, and Jennifer said too, she's like, she finds it easier to fight for other people than for herself. So, you know, I, that, that's another part of kind of why I wanted to add on to it because it's like, bring it on, bring it but on. It's not, but it's not like there, but the, but the, 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 I don't know if good is the right word, but the good thing about um, <clears throat> what you came out talking about is that the, you, you have the paper trail of complaints and the, you know, whatever communications with uh, the company to, to show that it actually happened. So you're not just like, you know, retroactively saying, you know, he made me feel uncomfortable and I can't prove it, but he did it. Like, you know, this is, yeah. your, your story's a little bit different. It's, it's fact-based. And I think that that is good. That makes it, that separates it from the ones where you just shrug and you say, I don't know, like, you know, who knows? Yeah. But it's because something and there tells have to be me. Bystanders too, right. Who are willing right. in the workplace, not just with men or whatever, but, in workplaces and in situations outside of work too, you know, there's a responsibility for bystanders as well, right? To, we, we see it even if you see somebody being attacked on the street, do you walk by? No. You that know, depends you, who it is, Jackie, really, doesn't it? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you don't walk by. Well, good point. No, no. But, but there is, you know, I think. You know, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm listing them all in my head too. They're probably different <laughs> yeah. people because everything's relative, right? That's true. That's true. Um, Listen, thank you though uh, for joining us. I mean, you didn't have to. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got the last one, you know, now I'm just going to send it everywhere. No, Um, no, I understand though. Like, why would you want to just do the whole gauntlet? You know what I mean? So they can. Yeah, read. I I don't yeah. want people thinking I'm out here doing some kind of media tour and I'm you know I'm getting something out of this. I'm not. I I have to be honest. Even you know today and yesterday, I actually still have a job that I have to do that's not at all related to. This. Tell everybody so your I, job, only because I can't pronounce his last name. Still. Okay, so I am the director of even I can't say it. Director of Parliamentary Affairs for Senator Leo Husakos. He is a senator from Montreal. He's a conservative senator. I'm a conservative. I don't. Uh, I don't try to hide that fact. Uh, but I became a conservative after I left media. Interestingly enough, I became a conservative because it most aligned with what I believed in. It's not the other way around. So I just want to say that. But uh, yeah, his name is Senator Leo Husakos. I've worked with him, and I say with him because he treats me as a coworker, not as a you know a, an underling. Uh, I've worked with him for seven years. 
Yeah. So, and I love it. I adore it. I love, I love what I do. We do some really good work. Sometimes there are things that happen in parliament and politics that, you know, is not our most shining moment uh, for, for any party. Um, but can I you just know, say, a few, can I just, yeah. your, your, your boss was like one of the greatest voices ever for, I think it was Bill C-10. Um, and he will when, be again on C11. On C11. The, the I watched him uh, stand up and talk. And I got to tell you, for the first time, because I, I, I was never a real big fan of the Senate, you know, growing up and in my 30s and whatever. Now I'm like 45, but I, they've been key to a couple of things in the last couple of years about, and that was one of them. That sober second thought that actually worked. I, I can't think of the other one off the top of my head right now, but there were I know there were two that stood out for me. And it was and it was good. So I think, uh, you know, hopefully Bill C-11 will have the same result. Um, and your boss hopefully will be another voice of, uh, of reason in that debate. Well, they're trying to ram it through again. So uh, they're trying right now. Actually, next week will be an interesting week because they're trying to get us to do a pre-study in the Senate. And I don't want to get into all the political jargon, but the, basically they're giving signals that they want to try and ram this through before Parliament adjourns for the summer. What are the so signals? It's going to be really interesting. I, I want the well, jargon. Okay, so yeah. the signals are a pre-study because essentially the bill has to pass yes. both houses before it right. becomes law. Um, so right now it's in the House of Commons and it's at committee stage it, or it's about to go to committee. They'll probably have two committee meetings on it and then typically they would bring it back to the House for debate at third reading. And that could take forever. That's how you can stall a bill. I don't like to say stall, but I mean no, a no. bill, you can hold it up and debate, debate. for a long time. Yeah. But the government can use what's called time allocation to, to cut off debate and say, nope, at this time, that's it. Debate will be done and we'll be sending it to a vote. They've already done that with this bill. They've already time allocated it. So that's one signal. Um, and then they have to send it to the Senate. But the Senate has to go through all the same stages. So second reading, send it to committee, committee reports back, third reading. And all these stages have debate. And what they've also done is now they're saying they're asking the Senate to do what's called a pre-study, meaning can you study it at this in committee at the same time we're studying it? And that usually is an indication that they want to then skip that step in the Senate when it comes over to the Senate, which usually means they want to get this thing through quickly. And they, it, they have to say yes. Yes, we can study it at the same time. Yeah, there'll be a vote. So right now there's a motion in the Senate calling for there to be a pre-study. The government introduced a motion. The senators right. debated it last week, but uh, it will likely come to a vote on Tuesday afternoon. And oh, it'll be 20, really interesting yeah, to see if um, if they can can get that through. And part of that bill, I'm sorry, I forget. I, it's not my bag to read uh, the, these types of details, um, but, but that won't, <clears throat> that won't, the details of which won't be released until it has royal assent. Do you remember that? What, what is the, that about? So some of the regulations. So um, what the bill does, one of the things the bill does is it gives certain regulatory um, powers to the CRTC. I mean, that CRTC does have regulatory powers, but it would give additional regulatory powers to the CRTC to enforce some of what's in the bill. But the problem mm -hmm. is we won't know what those regulatory problem, powers are until after it becomes law and the CRTC makes the decision so it's yeah it's kind CRTC? of insane and and here's the thing too and i so, i'm sorry i keep adjusting my my airpods oh, so i hope okay. it's not making too much noise um no. there's that there's the whole thing about the regulation but then there's also the fact that the one of the bigger problems with 
the C10, which was this bill's predecessor, um, was that user-generated content, so YouTube, for example, user-generated content would have been subject to discoverability and, and some of the other regulations. So basically, they want to treat user-generated content the same as if it's a broadcaster like CTV. So let's say a Justin Bieber or a Lily Singh, who both made their names on YouTube, they would be subject to this legislation. And it's the same problem that we had with it last year. It's like, no, you cannot start censoring YouTube. This is ridiculous. So that's still in there. And, that's and it's money too, problem. right? And they want these distributors to contribute to the grant system here in Canada. Well, that's Isn't a whole that other the... one. That's, that's C18. So that's <sighs> another one that's coming down the pipe. They want Facebook <laughs> and, uh, well, it's, it's in both actually. They want Facebook and Twitter to contribute to news media. So basically, the government, after giving a bailout to the traditional media a couple of years ago, now want to yeah. give them another bailout, but they don't want to be seen giving them a direct bailout because, of course, that would be very bad politically. So basically, they're saying to social media platforms, will you give them money? So there's that whole thing. But then in C11 as well, yes, there's there's this is about money at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And it's about, as we call them last year, and we'll call them again this year, gatekeepers, because there are certain people that benefit from CanCon and from certain regulations. And, you know, when you when you look at um, ACTRA, for instance, and I can't remember the, the union, I think it's the Canadian Media Fund in Broadcasting, but they get money, right? And then they decide, they say to artists, this is who you're going to work, for, work with. If you want to put your video out, you have to work with this producer. And then, right, they have their hand-picked producers or their hand-picked writers. Whereas a Justin Bieber or Lily Singh, they just go on YouTube. They don't need a producer. They don't need a writer. So that's upsetting these, you know, these gatekeepers who are like, no, we get to determine who succeeds and who fails. And that's what it really comes down to. Yeah. This is about picking winners and losers. And it, I feel like it's a Bell and Rogers thing. And they, they want, because the, this Bill C-10 was all of, it felt like that would, what separated that one a little bit, at least from this one. And maybe it's the same thing, was the idea that they wanted um, people like me to have to like subscribe to CRTC rules that govern television. And I was like, yes. what? <laughs> like, yes. you want to take the internet and you want to take exactly the best thing about the internet and take it off the internet. And it just. Yeah. So basically, you know. what they're saying too is they're saying, okay, our broadcasting act is out of date and needs to be modernized. And they are absolutely correct. We couldn't agree with them more. The problem is instead of, instead of modernizing the act, to to fit the new reality of of digital platforms and streaming platforms and all of that they want to drag the digital platforms and the streaming platforms back back so instead yeah. of going forward they want to drag you backward it's the same thing if you think about uber and you know you think about uber and lyft and i look at the taxi industry and i think yeah you know what they're they're burdened by a lot of red tape and and, and regulations and that that makes it an uneven playing field Mm -hmm. So the answer in leveling that playing field isn't to then burden Uber and Lyft with just as much red tape. The answer is to unburden the taxi industry. Yeah, I would agree. But, with that. And it's the same thing here, right? They're looking at, you know, the new way of, of broadcasting and, and, you know, information sharing, and they want to burden people like you with those same regulations and restrictions rather than looking at, 
terrestrial and mainstream media and saying, we'll unburden you. And Jackie, I have I enough said. burdens. I have so many burdens. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't we need all? This. Shoulders <laughs> another are burden in my life. Are you kidding? <laughs> um, but no, but it's an interesting insight, though, because I think if there was ever a issue, um, because this seems, we had Michael Geist on, and he was talking about how um, a lot of this is coming from, um, you know, constituents in places like Quebec and um and the artist communities in ontario and that's really like the bulk of it and and it's the it's it is just to protect the grant system that sustains all of these jobs and feeds it. all of these people and i and i gotta tell you i i i've been doing a lot of independent stuff for a lot of years and it never even dawned on me to go try to get free money maybe i'm not that bright and i should have done it but i i just it didn't even like i i knew the grant system existed <laughs> That was about it. Right. Because I just wanted yeah. to just do my shit and just and, and make it and, and figure it out. And, you know, I had some uh, flash in the pan successes and, and, and some longer term ones and whatever and struggled in between like everybody else. But I've seen this grant system utilized in such a way sometimes where I'm just like, like they get one time I knew this woman who was uh, she was really nice. And her boyfriend was a harp player and um, he got like 80 grand to play the harp and to make some album or something. And it sold like literally like 36 copies. And wow. and, and it's just that kind of thing that it, it doesn't seem to go like the cream doesn't rise to the top of the grant system. Let's put exactly. it that way. You know? Yeah. And that's what I was talking about. Like when you go to get that grant, then they'll tell you who you have to work with. Right. So it's, yeah. it's protecting, like, again, that's why they're the gatekeepers, right? Cause they decide the winners and losers. It's not, like you said, it's not the cream rising to the top. The problem is what a lot of Quebec artists are not realizing as well with this. They, they see this as, and, it, and it's a different beast in Quebec than it is in the rest of Canada, because of course they're dealing with even like Bill 96 that passed yesterday, right? They're dealing with trying to you know, preserve the French language. So there's that whole added element, but, but what they're missing is the reciprocity of this type of legislation for, like if you have a Quebecois artist they can go on YouTube right now and, and do their own thing and put it on YouTube and they can get a lot of, of recognition in, in other countries and other Franco countries. If we bring in this legislation and then some other countries start, you know, bringing in, you know, reciprocal legislation, then those Quebec artists won't have the discoverability in those other Franco nations. So in many ways, it really is cutting off our noses to spite our face. It's people are, a lot of people are not thinking the long game in this. I think it's, that, it's, I, yeah. the, I think the political, and I'll let you go after this because I know you probably have to go, but like, I, I think that the, the, the future um, political decisions that are going to be targeting will be algorithms themselves. Absolutely. And, and it's not, not even legislating them. Just get rid of them. <laughs> just yeah. like it's such a we know how to type a search okay if we right. want to find it we'll we'll try we'll find it don't worry about us because yeah. really that's the cause of everything every single problem i can think of in social media every single problem i can think of with this type of legislation and i didn't even realize until like two years ago that it was some sort of conservative position to literally believe that if the crtc just vanished tomorrow that everyone's <laughs> life would get a lot better and a rainbow would immediately appear and people would be holding hands because right it, it is bad not, you shame on you you conservative <laughs> if orwell was a real guy and was just starting out he would think of something like the crtc you know that, yeah, that would be his yeah. his beta testing 
right? Yeah, how about and, that? How about that to like modernize the Broadcasting Act? Start with getting rid of the CRTC. And call it the Orwell Act and just get rid of it, you know? Just just get it out of here. Imagine. Because, yeah. I do want to say one thing before I leave. Sure. Uh, because I wanted to touch on it earlier when we were talking about like doing some uh, some some good work. Um, one of the things we did in recent weeks was Senator Husaka, so we have this thing so we have government legislation in in parliament and you can start a government bill in either the senate or the house of commons uh, but then we also have members themselves can initiate a piece of legislation and they're more difficult to get through because you can't time allocate them and all of that the resources are different the way pro protocol and procedure works is different in the house they're called private members bills in the senate they're called senate public bills so with that explained, because I know you said you like the jargon, uh, yes. Senator Husakos at the end of last year, just before Christmas, introduced a Senate public bill that would force the government to bring in, to design and implement a uh, federal framework for autism, for autistic Canadians, mm -hmm. and not just for autistic children, but for autistic adults as well, because there's a real gap there when uh, people age out of the system at 18. And that bill uh, passed the Senate with unanimous support um, a couple of weeks ago. So it's now off to the House of Commons. Um, they'll have to study it over there as well and, and go through the various stages. But we're very hopeful that this bill will get passed. We were hoping to get it passed before we adjourn for the summer, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But we will cross our fingers. But this is this is the kind of really important work that, you know, when I think about what I do for a living now, this is the kind of thing that brings me so much joy and so much um, contentment. And mm. yeah, yeah, it makes know, me very happy. It, it passed unanimously. Yeah. So, so that's, that's a good indicator, isn't it? Like, the, yeah. like that's going to be really hard to imagine it not passing and flying colors in the house. But I, I think, I think that's wonderful. Well done because yeah, that, that you. must We're be, really that's rewarding. It. That's so much better than going and being a co-host. Oh, sorry. Not a co-host. <laughs> Don't look me in the eye. No, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so we're happy um, about it. We're excited about it. But that's great. Um, listen, uh, you're a great follow on Twitter. Everybody, um, I think it's Jackie Delaney still. And mm -hmm. um, thank you for coming. I know you didn't have to, but I appreciate it. But I really enjoyed uh, um, ending that conversation on the legislation. So well done. Yeah. Tell your boss thank I you. say Thanks well done. Thanks for having done. me. No problem. I will thank definitely you. tell him that. And it's been oh. an absolute pleasure. And you can call me anytime if you want to talk about legislation. Awesome. I will do that. Thank you. We have a new correspondent, right. ladies and gentlemen. Well done. Thank you, Jackie. Have a good <laughs> night. Jackie Delaney. Um, I think that everything that she said, um, you know, at the beginning about the whole John Derringer stuff was, was totally legit. And, and um, I really enjoy the, uh, the caveat that uh, she says it wasn't something that scarred her for life, but if behavior is behavior, then um, it's interesting to see how long executives put up with that stuff for us. So um, I think, I thank you for coming. And, and, oh, and the legislation too uh, is a, um, it just sounds great. Uh, you know, unanimous support in the Senate. Um, and it now goes to the House of Commons, one of those backwards bills where it starts in the Senate as a Senate public bill that goes to the House of Commons, House of Commons for a cent. And yeah, it's an autism bill. Um, to help, as she put it, uh, fill the gaps between um, people who are sort of, uh, they, they age out of the system at 18. So that sounds good. I haven't read anything about it, but I trust Jackie, so it would be interesting to read that. So that, um, if it passes in the House, that's great, <clears throat> especially to put up for the shortfall in places like Ontario because of decisions that the progressive conservative government has made. Um, I want to just quickly talk 
only for a moment and then we're going to go um about that uh 19 kids two adults killed in texas shooting um you know it uh I don't understand what it would be like to live in a country where the culture itself is partially defined by the right to to have weapons. And I believe that it is one of those um, topics that unless you live inside uh, the, the country that is being impacted like this, it, it'd be impossible to... Um, It'd be impossible to ascertain what kind of decisions you would have to make. Um, Dean was talking on, earlier on his podcast, and he tweeted earlier today that um, how can you be a parent in the United States and feel good about your sending your kids to school? And I thought it was the most salient point I could think of. Uh, you know, I couldn't have said it better myself because that would be the only thing that I'd be thinking. In fact, that was the only thing I was thinking is what it would be like to send uh, kids to school in the United States where they routinely have things like, um, what do they call them, preparedness drills for school shootings where they have to like dive under their desk as if they're like hiding from a nuclear weapon in the 50s or something. And what it would feel like to traumatize them like that. Like, that, you know, that means that their little brains are thinking about, you know, uh, becoming... <laughs> and there is one of them right now about becoming, you know, uh, a victim of a, of a school shooting when you're in grade school. That that is crazy talk to me. Um, and I think I would homeschool this guy right here. You're on air, buddy. But it's good. You're interrupting at a good part of the story. So, anyways, um, I I don't want to traumatize this guy by talking more about this story right now. And I would like to say that uh, <laughs> thanks you thank you to Jackie. That was uh, my son's first um, partial head cameo on uh on black Bolt. but really th that's what it's about right it's about it's about kids and uh and i think that um you can't get rid of that problem in the united states unless you repeal the second amendment and if you repeal the second amendment you're going to trigger a civil war and good luck <laughs> that'll be it thanks black ball black 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 ball Come on, let's go to the blue hotel. I wanna live at the blue hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, and NBC Sports. 
Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice in the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. <laughs>